Good morning, and peace be with you. I uh, don't really have any extra announcements, but I do have somebody that is going to do the announcements, so I'll call him up. Lee, are you ready? A couple of uh, things, first things that uh, are, that I want to make sure we know that uh, Steve Amundsen had a birthday just a few days ago. Um, I think he's 60 or 61 now, something like that. <laughs> give or take, give or take. Uh, and also Ed and Sharon Reamer just had their 62nd, excuse me, 59th anniversary. Too, too many people have made me think like, you know, our 50th big deal, we got 59, we got 62, so, you know, I'm, I'm a beginner. So, anyway, congratulations. Um, the usual things, the mission this month, uh, as you've seen before, is one child. I'll let you read about them. Sit and be fit, of course, on Tuesday morning. Uh, for those of you who like to uh, come sit and fit and tell stories. Um, Bible study on Tuesday at noon. Uh, be sure you can, if you can make it there, do it. Uh, Ash Wednesday is something different. I shouldn't say different. It's different because it only happens once a year, right? So, anyway, that's this Wednesday at noon. Uh, so those of you who would like to attend that, come down here and see. Men's Bible study is the usual Saturday morning, first thing. Uh, the the uh, Reformation Lutheran Church Council meeting is this next Saturday now. It's been bounced around a couple times earlier in the month, but now it, it's this Saturday, so we're getting close on the 25th, and that is at 9.30 in the morning. And not only the council can come, anybody in the church can come and see what's going on and see what uh, the council's doing for you. Uh, let's see. I think that's it. The, the section in the, in the bulletin now has a place for praise if you want to write down uh, things there. And birthdays and wedding anniversaries, you saw a couple of them I announced earlier. If you want yours to be announced by me or one of my uh, cohorts, uh, come up here once a month or so. Uh, be sure and let Ashley know that you have a birthday and that you have a wedding anniversary, if that should apply. So anyway, thank you very much. And we are grateful to have Diane back with us today. Thank you, Diane. Um, as we celebrate the transfiguration of our Lord uh, this uh, uh, Sunday. And our opening hymn is in the green songbook on page 76. O morning star, how far, fair and bright.
Will you please stand if you're able? We come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, And for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. In the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs with the King in his glory and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading this morning is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 24, verses 8 through 18. It can be found in your pew Bible on page 125. God speaks to Moses regarding a covenant he makes with Moses and the Israelites. Exodus 24, beginning with the eighth verse. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God, and they ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and Hur are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. When Moses went up to, on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud, to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. The second reading this morning is Psalm 2, verses 6 through 12. We're going to read that responsively, and it's printed in your Bible, in your bulletin. It's also printed in your Bible. Psalm 2, beginning with verse 6. This is often, this psalm is often, <coughs> excuse me, used at king's coronations, and it's a warning against other people not to challenge a king that, the God, had anoint, that God had anointed. Verse 6. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. 
he said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. The epistle this morning is taken from the apostle Peter, chapter 2, verses 16 through 21. And this is in your pew Bible on page 1894. Peter is warning against following false teachers and prophets who emphasize works for salvation rather than the sacrifice of Christ alone. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning with the 16th verse. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 17th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9, and can be found on page 1524 of your Pew Bible. Matthew records After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John the brother of James, and led them up high on a mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. 
And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, and they were terrified. But Jesus came, and he touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except for Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. The transfiguration is an event in the life of Christ when he momentarily allowed three of his disciples to experience a brief glimpse of heaven. These disciples received just a very small dose of Jesus as the eternal light of the new Jerusalem. They had the opportunity to see Jesus speak with two of the ancient heroes of the Old Testament. And both of them who have already been in eternity, Moses and Elijah, with Jesus in, for many, many centuries. Jesus took three of his disciples to witness the transfiguration. And this was in accord to the laws that were given to Moses that required two or three witnesses to establish facts in a court of law. Two or three witnesses. And what a group of fishermen these witnesses were. A motley group. Here we see and read about the Peter, that same Peter, that we all know, that insisted that Jesus should not die on the cross. And this is the same Peter that we all know and love, who swore that he would stay with Jesus until death. And then he denied him three times. And there's James and John, the two brothers who were eager to call fire down on a Samaritan village. And these two showed incredible arrogance and ignorance when they asked Jesus to make them two of the most powerful men in his future kingdom. If you and I were choosing 
candidates for apostleship, these guys are not likely to have ever made the interview list. And despite of what we do, these three fallible men were called to witness when even the other nine disciples were left out of the picture. And this is not the first time that Jesus called on these three to witness something very, very special. You'll remember that they were the only apostles to enter the house of Jairus. Do you remember him? Jairus. He's the one that Jesus went into his home and he raised his daughter from the dead. They were also the three who went deeper into Gethsemane with Jesus. We know how these three witnesses responded. And that is through the words of Peter. You may recall that Peter was the one who had a tendency to work off nervous energy by opening his big mouth and babbling. Peter is once again true to his character. And he began talking about making tents for Jesus and for Moses and for Elijah. And Peter was of the opinion that this mountaintop experience was the ultimate goal of Christ's mission here on earth. And, G, and, 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 and Peter wanted to build shelters for the, for the three that appeared before him. It's possible that he had the idea that eventually Israel, maybe even the world, would come to this mountaintop and worship the Lord. And Peter just didn't understand that there was an even greater mountaintop experience yet to be experienced in the future. And we hear, we read, that God the Father interrupted Peter and he said this, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And it is as if God the Father said, hey, Peter, you can't learn a whole lot with all that noise coming out of your big mouth. And if you want to learn, if you really want to learn, here is my beloved son. So close your mouth and listen to him. The father identified Jesus as a son, the eternal word in the flesh. And he said, pay attention. In a few verses before today's gospel, in Matthew 16, 21, we read that Jesus had begun to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. Suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day and be raised. The disciples heard these words, but they did not believe it. They were not listening 
to God's Son. In fact, in Matthew 16, 22, that's when Peter, he took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And then we all know it was then, Matthew 16, 23, that Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And now they are on the mountaintop in the presence of God the Father. God the Father says again, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. What did he say? Listen to him. It's as if God was telling these three, when my beloved son tells you that he is going to save you by suffering, dying, and raising from the dead, pay attention. It's pretty easy for us to get excited about these sort of mountaintop experiences. We, we get pretty excited about the God who speaks from the burning bush or, or thunders from Sinai. And man, we like it. We like it that Jesus went around healing the sick and casting out demons. And we really like it when he puts those bullies, the Sadducees and the scribes and the Pharisees, right in their spot. Puts them in their place. And we like the Jesus who lights up the mountaintop in today's gospel. And we all like the Jesus whose father thunders from the cloud and he tells us that Jesus is his son. We like a God that is large and in charge. We like that kind of power and that majesty. We like an awesome God who has thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fists. We like our sovereign God. Now, the problem comes with this. The problem is, is when God says he's going to defeat sin, death, and the power of the devil by becoming the very opposite of large and in charge. When he tells us that he is going to allow mere mortal men to arrest him, to beat him up, we have a problem when he tells us that mere mortal men will nail him to some pieces of wood and let him hang there until he is dead. And we don't like it when he tells us that this is how he will save us from our enemies. We want to join Peter and we want to scold Jesus for crazy talk. We would much rather stay on top of the mountain and never return to real life. We would like to join Peter and we'd like to build three tents Three tenths, but only until we could pull together a capital campaign and raise the funds for three temples. One for Moses, the great lawgiver. One for Elijah, the great prophet. And the greatest one for Jesus. That's the kind of religion that makes, a, makes sense to the human mind. You see, the sinful human mind wants nothing to do with the true God, 
Our current culture expects us uh, all to build our own little g-god. We can get our god with our favorite options. We can look deep into our hearts and come up with a god that makes us the most comfortable. How wonderful it is to bask in the glory of the god of our own making. When we come into the presence of the little G God of our own making, it will be all warm fuzziness and happiness. And why not? We can custom design our God to suit our own wants. Then there is the true God, the big G God, the one that we don't make up. The true God is a God of love, not that ooey-gooey, sappy kind of love, that emotional stuff that passes for love in our modern culture. The love of God, the true God, is solid. It's committed. It's eternal. And it's perfect in every way. And there are the characteristics of God that we tend to forget. That is that God is also just and righteous and holy. And it is easy to forget the words that God said to Moses in Exodus 33:20. But he said to Moses, "You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live." And it is easy to forget that when God the Father spoke from the cloud, the disciples, they fell on their faces in fear. And it is easy to forget that in order to stand before God without fear, we must be just as perfect as he is, just as holy as he is. We must be blameless, innocent, and sinless. In fact, our righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. We must be perfect, even as our Father in heaven is perfect. So in order to stand before God in his glory, we too must be glorious. It's easy to think that we can be glorious when we stand before the false God of our own making. But when the true God reveals his law to us, we see that we are anything but glorious. Instead of being sinless, we are sin-filled. Instead of being innocent, we are guilty. Instead of being holy, we are profane. Our only response to God's holy, almighty glory is to collapse in terror, just as the disciples did. And when the disciples collapsed in terror, what did Jesus do? Do you remember? When they had fallen down in terror, Jesus came and he touched them, saying, Rise. And have no fear. And Jesus led them down from the mountain of terror. And eventually Jesus would go to another mountain, Golgotha, the place of the skull. 
And on that mountain, Jesus will express the innermost being of God in sweat and in blood and in pain and suffering and ultimately in death and burial. And it is through that suffering and death on the cross that Jesus earned our, yours and mine, our justification. And it is through that suffering and death on the cross that Jesus took away our sin. And he replaced it with his righteousness. It is Jesus working through the cross who offers us forgiveness, who offers us life and salvation. And it is Jesus who takes away the burden of our sin and makes it possible for us to stand in the presence of God. It is the glory of Christ on the cross that gives the glory of eternal life to us. And it is through the cross that Jesus became the death of death and the life of life. As the life of life, he rose from the dead. And it was not until after the resurrection that the disciples finally understood the true mission of the Messiah. And when Peter, James, and John could properly tell their experience on the mountain when Jesus showed them a bit of heaven, then it was that they could proclaim that they had seen the divine glory of Christ. But Jesus hid that glory in his human flesh. By means of that human flesh, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. They could point to the glory of his transfiguration, that transfiguration that terrified them, and then they could point to the even greater glory of his death on the cross. It is in this way that they could proclaim the magnitude of his salvation. God the Father, God the Father proclaimed Jesus as his son, and he commanded us to listen to him. And as we hear the proclamation of Jesus' word, the Holy Spirit produces and sustains the true faith in us, the faith that receives Christ's great salvation. Faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that great salvation will carry us through not only the mountaintop experiences, but also through the valleys in between until our last hour comes and our Father in heaven gives us a blessed end and he carries us from this valley of sorrow, sorrows to himself in heaven. And what a glorious day that will be. In the name of Jesus, amen.
please stand if you're able. Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God and for all people according to their needs. Dear Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you to praise you and thank you for your faithfulness, your love, and your mercy. We are grateful for your loving care over our lives. Thank you for always being with us, for never leaving us or forsaking us. You are our refuge, and we surrender our lives to you and ask that you would bless us and strengthen us to do all that you have called us to do so that we may bring you the greatest glory. Help us be a light in this dark world. Help us to have compassion for one another, to be tender-hearted and loving. Help us not return evil for evil, but instead seek peace. Jesus, help us stay rooted in you, your word, and your promises, despite the storms that we face. And we ask that you would quiet the noise of this world. Lord, in your word, you tell us that when two or more are gathered, and in agreement in your name, you are in their midst, and you will answer their prayers. So we come together and pray and trust that you will hear us and will answer our prayers according to your perfect will. Heavenly Father, we lift up those who are being affected by the chemical spills across our nation and ask that you would protect them. The water, the animals and the air protect our food supply. Father, we ask that you would be with all of your children who are suffering, whether it be from a broken heart or sickness or pain, and we ask for your healing to touch their lives. Father, we lift up those who are homeless, cold, and hungry, and ask that you would provide hope, shelter, and jobs to those who are lost and displaced. 
Father, we lift up those who struggle with addictions and those in fear, those who are abused, and ask that you intervene and help by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would be with all world leaders and reveal your word, truth, and will and grant them wisdom. Lord, we lift up our unsaved loved ones to you and ask that you would soften their hearts and stir their faith to know your saving grace. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would protect the sanctity of marriage the way you created it to be. We pray that you would protect the lives of babies in the womb and children who are being taught things contrary to your word and truth. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen all Christian healthcare workers and teachers to confidently serve you in their professions. Father, we lift up all who mourn the loss of their loved ones and ask that you would send your comfort. O oh, Father, we pray that you would expose the lies of the enemy so that none of us would be deceived. Let the power of your truth be more real to us than what the world says. We pray, Lord, that you would cast out all fear, anxiety, anger, bitterness, and jealousy, and replace it with your peace that transcends all understanding. We thank you, Lord. We worship you. We praise you for all that you've done for us. And we love you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts, and with them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who sharing our life he lived among us to reveal your glory and love and our darkness should give way to his own brilliant light. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn.
and the night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. Then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now together pray the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Our Father, who art in heaven, is looking down at his kids who art on earth, and he sees you wrapped in the glory of his Son. And what we heard in the gospel today and in the sermon is that we cannot, on our own, be worthy, good enough, glorious enough, faithful enough to stand in the presence of God without what Jesus did on that cross for us. We speak with our lips. We confess him as Lord and Savior. And if that is your confession, then come. The table is prepared. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.